0: That me full of fright. I dreamt
1: that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall, where the devil was giving a ball. I checked my coat and hat and started gazing at the merry crowd who came to witness the show. And I must confess to you, there were many
2: there I knew. Hello. Hi. At the devil's ball.
1: Welcome to The Dispatchist, a friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff. This is episode 19, Corey Workout. Huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> and as always, I'm Jacob.
0: I'm Victoria.
2: I'm Jamin.
0: Hi! Hi! I'm Jamin.
1: Hello! <laughs>
0: Hello! Jacob, you're supposed to be like, hello.
1: No, I was trying to... Oh, I should Oh, Hello.
2: (laughs) Hello. (laughs) It's going to be a talky episode, and I'm going to get thirsty. Uh, Victoria, what you got for me?
0: I brought a a bottle of pomegranate vodka. Um, Oh, good choice. Oh,
2: relevant, relevant.
0: The only problem is, is that if you drink it, you can never leave my house.
1: Yeah, that's why they don't offer samples of it at Specs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so what you're saying I'd is, sure... if if I if I'm in Specs and I open a bottle of pomegranate fog, can I take a sip? Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 rubbing mm-hmm. hands together, evil then plot. You,
1: yeah, you're stuck there.
0: Uh huh. That's right. Forever, you'll you will be a part of the Specs family.
1: <laughs> Lost forever in the fruit liqueurs aisle. <laughs>
0: Living entirely off of those tiny chocolate bottles full of, like, drombreed. I'm
2: okay with that. It's not the
1: worst mm-hmm. fate. Uh, I brought some entertainment. Ooh. Ooh. Being turned into poison-dripping vermin in the Hill of the Fornicators.
0: Again with the Fornicators.
1: Um, they seem to turn up a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they
2: do.
1: I promise this is randomly generated dormants, though.
2: Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got yeah. a list of, like, four words and three of them are fornicate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And weirdly, two of them, another one is turning to wolves. I don't know what's going on there.
2: <laughs> Randomly wow. generated. So they're poisoned, <laughs> dripping vermin.
1: Poison dripping vermin in the hill of fornicators.
2: Wait, so they're vermin that drip poison? Yes. Hmm. Okay. I mean...
1: I mean, I could explain know. the algorithms to you, but it'd be really tedious and silly.
2: We went ice skating in a swamp not too long ago. I, I'm okay with dripping poison vermin. What? Where, where, what? <laughs> Sometime in the recent past, one of the tortures was a frozen swamp.
0: Oh, right? I thought you meant literally, like, you physically went out to like East Texas.
2: I did frozen no, swamp. Yes. 100%. <laughs> uh, big freeze February in Austin. I went to Caddo Lake.
0: <laughs> I was like, wh- why wouldn't I invite it?
2: Um... <laughs> How do you feel about Nutria?
0: I love Nutria. I'm a big fan.
2: Nice, nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Well, for dinner tonight, this one is actually Nutria. really good. <laughs> oh, gross.
0: It's what's for dinner.
2: I just lost my appetite. <laughs> mm. Nutrient. I want you guys to see this picture: baked avocado with smoked salmon and egg. That sounds delicious. It basically, you take an avocado, you cut it in half, you put a slice of smoked salmon where the pit was, and then you put that in a cup. And then you put an egg in it, like a you break an egg in it, and you bake the whole thing till it's custardy, salmony,
1: and avocadoy. Mm. I'm holding. I like it,
0: anything with an egg in it. Yeah, I'm
1: holding it up to the microphone right now. <laughs>
0: Listen to that egg. I would put dill on it.
1: Dill would be good.
0: Or capers.
2: Oh,
1: capers. Mm.
0: Salt bombs.
1: Mm. Is that an ingredient or a concept?
0: Salt bombs or capers. Oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) I like the concept of salt bombs because I love salt. And capers satisfy that Um, desire.
2: Let's... Let's imagine if capers were a real thing and not just an imaginary construct. <laughs> what do you think a caper would look like?
0: <laughs> it would look like um Burr Oh, wives. who's our little friend? <laughs> 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 Why, yes, yes. <laughs> like when he and frosty and not in frost in Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. Yeah, yeah like that. <laughs> Tell me when it's over.
1: <laughs> no, we do have some hell news this week. Some of it is Modern, and some of it is ancient. So I guess big news first, the director-producer team of David Gordon Green and Jason Bloom is making, release sometime this year, a sequel to The Exorcist.
0: What?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, No. Well, no, they did a really good job relaunching Halloween, apparently. Like, back to roots, back to basics type stuff, get rid of all the nonsense sequels. So this may be very good. They did a good job of another movie.
0: No um, silver shamrock masks.
1: I um, from Halloween. Oh no! I don't think so. The sequel they made in 2018 was more like basic conflict between villain name I cannot remember and primary character from movie one I cannot remember.
0: Michael Myers
1: and and Lady.
0: Jamie Lee Curtis.
1: Quite possibly. (laughs) Character's name. (laughs) Quite possibly.
2: Aren't those Mm -hmm. two the same person? Michael Myers and Jamie Lee Curtis?
1: can <laughs> never see them know. together.
2: can never uh-huh. see them in the same room.
1: Uh, one challenge to making this an effective movie is, according to Mr. Bloom, like 95% of people have never seen The Exorcist at this point. They mostly know it through memes and Linda Blair jokes. So the movie has to be true to the spirit of the original, but stand on its own as well.
2: Wait, there was a movie? So, I just saw the memes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there
2: we go. I've- I thought, (laughs) oh, I thought, hmm. It's okay.
0: (laughs) Do we know anything about this movie?
2: Like,
1: I'm going to have hope that this is going to be at least an effective horror film. We'll see. Um,
2: I'm just going to not watch it. Okay. And save myself the tears because, yeah.
0: Did you guys see the Conjuring, the latest Conjuring movie, The Devil Made Me Do It?
1: No, I saw it on, I've seen ads for it, but.
0: I would be interested to see what y'all think about it. Okay.
1: Note to self.
0: Like, I enjoy the Conjuring franchise, so I'm curious.
1: Okay. Role-playing game release scheduled for June 2018. So well, that's coming up, isn't it? I think it might be, actually. This is a party LARP for four to six players called 13 Demon Princes. No. It's it's a dating sim reality TV show style dating game. What? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> again, this is a live-action role-playing game. It's like dinner theater type stuff. But the conceit is that there's 13 demons vying for the affections of Lucifer the Morning Star, who's one of the players. Of course. Mm-hmm. This, this is broadcast over all nine levels of hell. Mm. Okay. Um, the game's got some fairly evocative, broad-idea characters, like Kariz Oskami, the demon of light and darkness, who loves long walks in the sunny park but has to be the center of, center of attention, and would rather be alone if not fully and totally loved. So good luck with that, with the, like... Prince of Pride there. Demons of Knowledge, Lies, The Hunt. Artemil now lives in rural England, where her hobbies include cooking, triathlons, and consuming the anesthetized flesh of fox hunters. (laughs) That's political.
2: I like it. (laughs) That's Um, so political. Wow.
1: Yeah. So this was supposed to be released in 2018. Obviously, that didn't happen. But if you go to Kickstarter and look up 13 Demon Princes, the... A lot of the material to play the game itself is in the updates for the project, and we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, but it's a really neat little evocative party LARPer game. Party LARP game.
2: Party okay. LARP. So, having never been to a party LARP. Uh-huh. Mm.
1: I haven't it's either. Just, this is oh, for no, four... I have.
0: Never mind. Nerd. I mean, sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> something in my throat mm. there. Um. So there's four to six players. Yeah. But there's 13 demons.
1: Well, You don't use all of them.
2: One of who has to be Lucifer the Morningstar.
1: Yeah, two of the players are Lucifer and, like, the host, the the game controller slash uh, DJ-type person.
2: So the other two to four get to choose from the remaining 12.
1: There's There's 13 princes, I think. I don't remember exactly. Oh,
2: there's 13 princes and Lucifer. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. So my final question, since there's only three of us, we can't play anyway.
1: True. It would be a foregone conclusion.
2: More like a three gone conclusion.
0: <laughs> I guess we have to make friends.
1: Oh, that's hard.
2: Hey. Are you listening? Do you want to come join us in hell? We have an empty seat.
0: Maybe we could somehow, yeah, like play with play with strangers.
1: Hang on, let me go out into the sixth circle and see if there are any LARPers.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, take
1: the pomegranate vodka with you. It's that's a surefire
2: right. trick. Mm-hmm them right. is stuck
1: stuck in our office.
0: It's the only way I get friends is <laughs> making them drink the pomegranate podcast, oh putting my them in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go any further, I want to make sure you guys did your homework. Remember that I, I sent you all that worksheet,
1: short reading exercise, and a thoughtful free writing one paragraph or something like that. I wasn't paying attention.
0: There, no. There, there was, was a, a word a, search. There's a word search. Oh a jumble.
1: Yes. There's
0: a word search, a vocabulary quiz, and then the multiple choice section. I mean, this is a significant part of your grade. <laughs> so I knew
1: there'd be graded worksheets in hell.
0: <laughs> and what I do is I make everybody hand it to the person on their left. And and you know, you have to grade each others.
2: Okay. So...
0: <laughs> everybody hates that. Okay. Do you guys want to, you, you want to grade your worksheet?
1: Okay. Um, let's see. Jamin is on my left. Okay. Jamin, question one. The story of Persephone and Hades is a retelling of an Egyptian myth, a Mayan myth, or C, a Greek myth.
2: Since I've been reading an awful lot about Mayan mythology lately, it's a Greek myth.
1: <laughs> I'm thinking Good like a Akkadian, what variety? We could be more, more specific in these multiple choice questions.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. You get extra oh. points.
2: Akkadian, uh, Mixolodian, Phrygian, Ionian, Harpsichordian. <laughs>
0: I made that one up. Did you? There's also. What is the O one? There's an O one, too. Oh. Orphi-
1: or,
0: or, or, Orphidian? Or Yeah. Isn't Orphism. that
1: upper pertaining to snakes?
2: I thought it was ladies dancing in high heels.
1: Oh, it's upper pertaining <laughs> to snakes
2: what really
1: pertaining to snake yes orphidian no ophidian i got it wrong oh Fidian. no
2: I, I i'm
0: i'm referring to orphism unfortunately it's an it the orphistic myth of persephone involves incest so we may oh, want to come back to that later
1: racking up the sex crimes here yep okay mm-hmm. question question two
0: okay so Jamin, do you want to you want to read this one
2: who was the main character hades mm-hmm. persephone or Demeter.
1: Ooh, ooh, uncredited narrator, uncredited narrator. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, I think that's half a point. And I would also say one could argue that uh, potentially everybody except Persephone is characters in the story because she is just kind of acted upon.
2: Yes. This is so true.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we, we go with everybody else is the main character. Of this story. Okay, so I'm going to read the third one. Demeter was a goddess of weather, the underworld, or farms.
2: And that's a capitalized underworld. like I, It is a
0: capitalized underworld, indeed.
2: It, it hmm. took me. took me for one.
1: Farm seems too simple, but I'm guessing that the answer is farms. In this, like, very elementary school mindset <laughs> that we're in.
0: Exactly. It is an elementary school worksheet. So all of agriculture <laughs> and all farms. of nature... Is distilled to farms.
2: Agriculture is a big word. Mm -hmm. It is. It's like a
0: fourth grade word.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay, Jamin. What did. (laughs) Try that again. (laughs) What did Persephone and Demeter do together? They took care of A, growing plants and animals, B, children, C, temples.
2: Okay. The prior question what do you grow on farms? Children. Uh, Children?
1: Yep. I would say <laughs> children.
0: <laughs> I think that's fair.
2: I mean, you can't have children without produce. So being a produce goddess, your ultimate end goal is children.
0: I think and that's you need, legit. You need you need laborers. Oh yeah, on who's those gonna farms.
2: Who's gonna till the weeds or uh who's gonna harrow the fields?
1: Mm. Ooh. I think we can take this back to its to its you know pre-er origins and say that uh if Ishtar is the person in question, then children is the answer. But we're not doing that legend this week. Oh, okay.
2: Are we are we gonna talk about Artemis later? Because Artemis was children, Artemis was children.
1: I think she's involved, yeah.
2: Yay.
0: <laughs> she's made entirely of children. Just a bunch of children in a in a gown.
1: Question five. Uh,
2: Hades saw Persephone, and he decided to take her to the capital underworld to play cards, be his queen, to make a party.
1: <laughs> I think no. the answer we all want to say is play cards.
2: I think to make a party is the correct <laughs> <Right>. answer. <laughs> so I, I think I think you're all going to see this when you click the show notes. But it's there's multiple twos, right? If we read <laughs> two. it, oh. two
0: make a party. Oh.
2: Five answer C. Uh-huh. Hades saw Persephone, and he decided to take her to the underworld too to make a party. Okay, this is good Englishes, guys. This is real good Englishes.
0: I think this is also potentially like the lyrics to a song. I'm going to take you to the underworld, girl. To to make a party. To oh. to make a party, girl.
1: <laughs> Let's play girl. cards.
0: <laughs> let's play cards and make a party girl
2: to the tune of we're going to the chapel and we're going to to get
0: married <laughs> we're going to to get married Go into the
2: chapel and we're going, going
0: to, 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 to get, get
2: married, married. I, uh, <clears throat> please excuse that attempt at singing moving on
0: <laughs> what happened to the plants and flowers when persephone disappeared This is the only answer that that are, um, only answers that are complete sentences. They
2: grew. Plants stopped. Yes. There's punctuation.
0: There's punctuation. Plants stopped growing and flowers wilted or they disappeared.
1: Well, grammatically, when Persephone disappeared, Persephone disappeared. So it's got to be C.
2: They disappeared. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That is a Hmm. sort of unmoored modifier there. Hmm. Uh-huh.
2: And to be what fair, happens- after a plant stops growing and wilts, it then disappears. Like
1: Yeah. Ultimately, not yeah. Just, yeah. And yeah. All of us all of us disappear eventually. Mm-hmm. Mm. Why did Zeus help Demeter? Because he was the king? Because he was Persephone's father, or both.
0: Uh how about uh D, all of this was his fault.
1: Unresolved guilt complex, yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean,
1: yes.
0: So, last question, who is the fastest of all gods? Hades,
2: Zeus, or Hermes? This is a trick question because we didn't talk about Hermes. We
1: we weren't in Miss Jones's 3rd grade mythology class. We either. don't
2: know like this is I know who Zeus is, I know who Hades is. Who is this Hermes guy? Come on.
1: He's he's at the bottom of the worksheet. He's got a brown nose. And mm. golden sandals. Oh, by the way, I have to say that the image of Hades is just fabulous in this worksheet. He looks adorable.
0: <gasps> yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. He. I'll. I'll hop in his chariot.
0: Yeah. What. What gives? Like he really is way hotter than I'll everybody pick, else.
2: I'll pick flowers in his Elysian fields.
1: <laughs> but is he faster? Ow. I think. I think you could make a case for Zeus because depending on how you define fast, because like he was in. Everybody's chariot. Ow! Well, I think we all got A's. Oh,
2: I
0: think I think yeah. all of, uh, America America got an A today.
2: I'm I'm marking A on this sheet. I didn't even look at the <laughs> answers. It's a if, a, if I, a plus. If I everybody fi- gets a sticker.
1: If I click the finish link, link does it go to my supervisor?
0: <laughs> Do it. I want to see what happens.
2: I tried. It didn't work. You have to register. It
1: Says check my answers and. Nothing. Oh, well.
2: No, it does. Like if you do the word jumble and the word search, it will give you the, the corrects and the uncorrects. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. I've, I'm have i good at worksheets, guys. I like <laughs> this one.
0: <laughs> yeah, we need to find more worksheets. Also, I have, a, I, I have a suggestion. We have a new segment called... I have two new suggestions. A, we have a segment called Kids Corner. Ooh. Two, we create Mad Libs of some of our favorite myths and stories mm, mm. profit. I think if we model how fun the Mad Libs are, then everybody's going to get on board because who mm, doesn't mm, love Mad Libs.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Is there like some sort of deep and primal conflict between the ideas of demonology and kid's corner?
0: No, I think it fits perfectly. Kids are, kids are dark.
2: Okay. Fair. What would Moloch say?
0: <laughs> See, that's, yeah, we could. Have a, that could be kind of the dear, um,
2: Moloch what was his dear
0: something and Andy on that dear Alex and Andy on Zoom, where kids write in with their interpersonal issues, and Moloch could give them answers, give them advice.
1: Offer yourself to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Funnily enough, that's what he says every single time. I
1: know, right? It's the easy answers every time. <laughs> um, so obviously, we're talking about Persephone and or Korae today, we should probably just briefly skim over the myth itself for that one person. In I got this. Okay.
2: Kora is the Greek word for like maiden or miss or ma'am or young lady. It's just a, it's just an honorific. Like all these Kora votives that you see, it's just they're young ladies. So uh, I'm going to make it real easy, real simple. Kora just means young lady. The end. I
1: fixed it. Lilith's Owls. You know they pay us by the word, right? <laughs> Did
0: you say well, Bowls for- Owls? I, I think, I, to me, I heard Bowls Owls, and then I was assuming you would say Maidens, because that's oh. really, we've talked about all those things.
1: Yeah. Uh, so so guys, we are spending an eternity together, so we're going to have to pad this out a little bit.
2: <laughs> I'm going to need more pomegranate <laughs> vodka.
1: I think um, we
0: could fill in a little, a few of the details.
1: Persephone, 75 words or less. Um, She has a lot of names, by the way, so if we get lost in the names, that's part of her story. Uh, Hades is lonely, and Zeus, Zeus, who is his brother, decides to give him permission to abduct Persephone, who is Zeus's daughter, and take her to the underworld. Uh, So, very nice, supportive family there. (laughs) Hades drives a chariot through a cleft in the earth, grabs Persephone, and takes her away. Demeter is upset, Demeter being her mother and decides to make the entire Earth into Texas in August. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, Helios tells Demeter what happened because she's wandering around complaining that her daughter's missing. Zeus finally gets up off his throne listening to, and listens to the begging and wailing and makes his brother return Persephone, but not until Hades is convinced Persephone to eat some pomegranate seeds. The number varies between three and six. We're back to pomegranates again. I'm not sure. There. Always with the pomegranates.
2: It's because they it yeah. taste like human flesh.
1: Right. So thus, after the fact, she has to spend some time of each year with the gods overhead and some time of each year in the underworld below. And that's the seasons.
2: Exactly. 74. At least the start of the story. I counted. That's right. Oh, okay. Thank you. Good
0: night. (laughs) So, so I, I, uh, okay.
1: (laughs) Do we begin with the incest or? No,
2: no, no, no. Let's see. Yeah. Rape. Why was this important? Why is this a big deal? Like, Zeus has probably married off hundreds of his daughters. He's slept with everything under the sun, including his chariot, right?
0: <laughs> that was weird.
2: Why is this? A, yeah, it's like, who's the who's the son of Zeus and his chariot? It's like, Mixed I don't know. Um,
0: <laughs> it's an accordion, actually.
2: Phaeton. The, the Phaeton? reason is...
1: Phaeton. Oh, yeah, Pha- oh, Phaeton.
2: right. Oh my gosh, Zeus and his... Jo- oh, guys, that's a Phaeton joke. Why was Cory important? And it's not that she was important, but who was Cory's mom? Demeter. Demeter. Mm-hmm. Now, Demeter is kind of uh, an all-goddess. Um, almost a Gaia kind of Earth goddess, right? Yeah. Very much, I grow the things, I am the thing that things grow upon. There is a very strong connection... If you look at this, the MTR uh, aspects of this word in Demeter,
0: mm-hmm.
2: where we could take it almost to be synonymous, or not not synonymous, cognate with matron or mother, right? Okay. Your Gaia is your mother goddess. Okay. Okay. So, like, probably, probably her name was Demutta. you know, said with an Italian accent. You steal the wrong goddess's daughter and all hell breaks loose, right? Literally. That's, literally. That's why this is important. If anybody else had been kidnapped or stolen, we'd be fine. But the lady in charge of growing the planty plants that you eat so you don't die of starvy starve is suddenly super pissed off and not doing her job. That's why Cora is important. She's not. She's a nobody. Well, now she's a nobody. She grows into it. And I was like, oh, this story... How we're explaining reality, how we're explaining nature. Hey, guys, things happen. Why do things happen? Uh, The gods did it. Okay. Why did the gods do it? Well, they got angry. So that's, that's, I wanted to start with that. Demeter is really the prime mover in this story, the beginning of the story.
0: I would agree with that. I definitely would agree with that. I, I firmly believe that Corey slash Persephone is, she's a metaphor She's actually not intended to be a person on her own. Yeah. And in fact, like potentially, I don't know if there's like a Hecata thing going on here. where We have the mother, daughter and crone. We don't have a crone, but in one person. So she's actually she doesn't she wouldn't exist without her relationship to Demeter, like mm. literally and figuratively, because they are the right. two goddesses that in, in a lot of representations that are not, you know, 19th century And in fact, a lot that are, they are always seen together. So they're, you know, I feel like they have to be joined.
1: It seems like there was a void for a power couple myth of some sort that needed to happen. Because the Greeks really admired the Mesopotamians. Like the Mesopotamians were to ancient Greece, what ancient Greece is to like 18th century America.
0: Hmm.
1: So they may have been just picking up on the... Ereshkigal, Nurgle story, or the Ereshkigal abduction story, because Ereshkigal was also an abducted female underworld goddess. Uh, actually, w- so was Mexic Oh, help me with that name.
2: Who Oh, stop. <laughs> you mean waddle
1: I did, I just couldn't say it.
2: Hmm. It happens.
1: Yeah, because I- she was uh, abducted and then flayed.
2: Well, she was less abducted than sacrificed as an infant.
1: Right, but we're definitely in the unwilling female death goddess... Oh, uh, fair, fair. ...family Mm -hmm. here.
2: Mm -hmm. So, I 100% want to agree with you on this one. And I really also am going to say, not really. Hades and Persephone weren't a power couple. And we'll talk about this at the end, we'll come back to this one. But they weren't really a couple. There was a lot of not... There was not a lot of interaction between the two. They were seen as there's Hades doing his thing, there's Persephone doing her thing, and there was no there was no power couple, at least hmm. in the early part of this.
1: Later, they're described as being together a fair bit. Like they tend to be described as like a dyad, whether or not they do anything together. I guess it depends on when the story is.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's much later. It, I would almost say it's like Edwardian romanticism or Victorian romanticism, like this is other cultures interpreting this greek myth huh.
1: okay
0: i would agree with that i feel like this insistence on their it being a love story is a fairly modern attempt yeah. to deal with the rape <laughs> and the incest <laughs> like oh they were in love and i kept seeing that over and over again specifically in all of the uh pedagogical materials geared towards children yeah um or sort of a soft peddling um the abduction as like she you know she she didn't like it but she became queen of the underworld so you know win-win
2: the the um, phrase that i was the phrase i see and hate is and she grew to love him
0: I was yeah like, nobody know. What?
2: no
1: no no i i <laughs> I kind of want to take incest off the table though because if you start criticizing Greek mythology based on incest, you run out of there's nothing left.
2: We wouldn't have fate.
1: I time. mean everybody's related to Zeus.
2: Why True. do you think
0: that is? Like why is incest a trope?
1: Because Zeus was the fastest.
0: <laughs> Zoom. <laughs> um I'm just curious cuz I, I, I there's there's a, a um a move to teach these myths with trauma informed pedagogy to kind of address these issues. And I'm just curious, like why they're, why they, why they exist? Like why is incest such a thing? Was there a different cult? Like did it kind of signify something else? And why in the 19th, like why did romanticism again, pick that up and glorify it? And why did they also kind of glorify or romanticize rape
1: i i kind of don't think that incest was actually a meaningful portion of the myth maybe because a lot of these bonds between people and the genealogies were established by hesiod in his theogony call out to hesiod and i think that there's probably a lot of earlier mythology that got eaten up by greco-roman myth borrowing when they were assimilated into the Olympus Pantheon, you had to trace everybody's lineage back to either mm. Zeus or Kronos, one of the two. Okay. So, so I question whether incest is an important part of the story. And it's rare that you can say that. Like, I think, think the incest elements were kind of secondary.
0: Do you think it's just housekeeping? Like, it makes it easier, like, like you said, the org chart is easier if there's incest involved. <laughs> like, there are fewer branches, right?
1: Well, yeah. Well, I mean... Persephone may have been like a pre-existing goddess. Uh, One commentator in Wikipedia was talking about that there were dozens of versions of uh, Persephone. Pinepsion.
2: What's the Italian, the Latin one, Prosepari?
1: Proserpine.
2: Yeah, you like her.
0: Proserpina?
1: I I like, I think she's more. I think she's, uh, Persephassa, yeah. Persephone, Persephone, Preswa Peripona. Gesundheit. Anyway, there's a lot of them, and the like multiplicity of pronunciations suggests that the Greeks found her name hard to pronounce, and maybe she was from a pre-Greek, la- pre-Greek language origin.
2: Okay. Hmm. So, yes, all of that, but I want to add into this, cultural norms and societal mores have changed. Well, do change, right? So the mores and the norms of the Attic Greek, the Ionic Greek, like the ancient Greeks, the the mores and norms of the 1950s to now. And then when we start academically researching and studying these, when we take the archaeological approach to this, right? So you're working with the norms and mores of the time where incest is bad. And we also have... When we get into this, like, 1700s, 1800s, when archaeology really starts taking off and research starts taking off, and we're no longer working on oral tradition but studying a culture from outside rather than inside, right? You've got this very Catholic Christian viewpoint where we're studying these gods who are the wrong gods. Let's make them slightly wronger by adding in this cultural sin of incest, right? Does that make sense?
0: Well, I think it makes sense to me if you assume that incest in this case is just a narrative device rather than an actual thing. Because I could see that happening. And just like, again, as Jacob said, it sort of makes the org chart neater. Yeah. And the storytelling faster and easier to, like in an oral tradition, way easier to remember, Mm -hmm. right? So I could see it, yeah, like adding in that narrative trope. To make it seem bad, but also, you know, if like they're not human, so incest Mm -hmm. could potentially like people, you know, daughters are springing out of your head. So that didn't literally happen or did it. But I mean, (laughs) I
1: mean, we're we're in the South. (laughs) And like Zeus, yeah,
0: like he's the father differently here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And he's the father of everything. Like he even had a, a kid with Persephone, um, right. the goddess of Melano who's, uh, wandered the earth at night with ghosts.
1: Yeah. Well, when, when you have a single point of origin, I don't think you can worry about inbreeding too much.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. But you do then end up with a, a daughter who wanders the earth with
1: ghosts. Other alternate versions of the myth that we can go into a little bit while we're in the classical period. There was one slight variation in the Preserpina myth where. Um, Proserpina actually chose to nibble on pomegranate rather than being duped by it. So a little bit more active agency there, but it does kind of feel like that might have been whitewashing to give her more agency in a story that was kind of dull. Hmm.
0: Hmm. There's also a version where Hecate is the one who saves uh, Persephone rather than Demeter. Yeah,
1: like Hecate and Demeter were wandering the earth together, kind of the moon and sun and and otherwise. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah, All the moon goddesses were... Hunting for uh, Persephone.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but like this is one story that actually gives Persephone some agency. She, as queen of the underworld, she had the ability to send beasts to kill those who had wronged her. Oh neat! Yeah, and in one of the myths with Adonis, Persephone and Aphrodite both had fallen in love with with uh, Adonis. And um, Zeus ordered Adonis to split his time between the two of them. Oh no. Adonis would spend time on the earth with Aphrodite, and then he would go to the underworld and spend time with Persephone, which kind of blows the whole like Hades and Persephone, you know, forever. Yeah, um, but
1: I think we're echoing Mesopotamia again. There were some elements right. from that. Yes.
0: There. But the interesting thing is, Adonis decided one day that he didn't want to return to the underworld. And he wanted to hang out with Aphrodite. So when Persephone found out, she sent a wild boar to kill Adonis. And so, and as legend has it, Adonis died in Aphrodite's arms. But it's not sure if Persephone knew that that would happen. Well, So it kind yeah. of bit her in the...
2: If you send a wild boar after somebody, Nothing. something's going to happen.
1: No, 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 no. If you are queen of the dead and you kill someone, I don't see that as a loss.
2: Oh. No, I think...
1: He shows up. He's just a little more boring. But it's ah! Adonis. Who cares what Adonis talks about?
0: But I think the part that she didn't account for, the super romantic ending with, you know, the, the Aphrodite cradling her dying Adonis, who'd been bored by a boar.
2: Bored to death. <laughs> he's bored to death.
0: <laughs> Zing! I have another one. I have another one. I have another one. This one's very exciting and delicious. So, of course, Hades also was getting some on the side, as, as gods do. Typically, these didn't bother Persephone because, again, they're not really in love. Um, but one time, um, there was... Uh, one of his lovers was Mintha, and she bragged... fresh Freshmaker? <laughs> yes, Mintha the Freshmaker. <laughs> um, she... Uh, <laughs> I'm never not going to laugh at that. Um, (laughs) So she bragged that she was more beautiful than Persephone and that she would um, win Hades over forever. And so Persephone took revenge and turned her into what we know today as what? Not Mentos. I would say
2: double mint
1: gum. (laughs) I'm going to need an A, B, or C here. Um, Um, A tree,
0: a flower,
1: a mountain, a stag. (laughs)
0: An insurance adjuster, choice one, a mint plant, choice two, or pomegranate vodka.
1: Oh, Minta. Okay. Okay. I see now. That sort of makes sense, I guess, to that death and vegetation thing.
0: Yes. And I also kind of feel like Persephone always sort of got it a little wrong where she, you know, one of her revenge tactics led to a romantic ending and the other one led to refreshment.
1: (laughs) So, the Voldemort thing with her, like the reason we call her Kore is because she is the one not to be named. And, uh, oh, that's kind of,
2: no, well, yep, kind it's, it's, of it's, part, it's, yes, a little it's bit. A euf-
1: it's a euphemism, it's like calling the fairies the good people. She's just the maiden,
2: right? But it's also if the cycle of time is a cycle of time, the maiden is spring, right?
1: There is no the crone.
2: Well, but we've got winter and death, and, well, the word is actually blight when Demeter blights the world, right? If she and Demeter are agrarians, you know, if they're earth goddesses, she's the maiden. She is the spring, the blossom, the
1: shoot. Well, that I mean, that is an interpretation, but she's also the, one of the big nasties out there. I mean, her, her name means the destroyer sometimes. No,
2: well, Persephone is the destroyer. Corey is the maiden.
1: No, Corey is a title. Right. And Persephone holds that title. There are an awful lot of euphemism names for her, though. This is not yeah. just Corey, there's, there's a number of right. them. Right.
2: Okay. So, so this lady was, when she was the daughter of Gaia, or the mother, Demeter, she was the maiden, spring. When she went to hell, she became Persephone, who is the destroyer, the reaper of corn. Because we're we're combining people like in the in the days we combined people right. We have a goddess of the underworld who is one of the big meanies, but before she was taken down there, she was the maiden.
0: Well, here's a question, and maybe it's uh, it's just kind of a amusing, not a, not an amusing muse.
2: Are muses um, involved?
0: It's, <laughs> 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 Why yes, yes they are. But there's also uh, this idea that. You know, as one person, the Demeter Persephone relationship is one of fertility mm-hmm. versus aging, or like, you know, uh, non-fertility. <laughs> Let's say, like becoming like right. aging, becoming becoming barren, and the mother having to ne- necessarily separate from the daughter for that sexual awakening where she becomes a fertile being. And so the pomegranate is part of that because it represents like a loss of, in, in some cases, a loss of virginity and sexual awakening. So that separation is necessary to allow for the maiden to come to her sexual own.
2: Yeah. And and this is all very cyclical because, well, time is like that the year we've got a, a spring, we've got a harvest, we've got a blighted winter, which, like, yeah, that, that that makes sense. And as, again, all of this is explanation and understanding of the world we live in. Mm-hmm. Or at least saying we understand it by saying things happen and naming them gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And then conceivably, like, back to Hecta, like, uh, the three-in-one, the the maiden, the mother and the crone. Mm-hmm. Like Demeter's kind of a, she vacillates between mother and crone when... Persephone is a, is in the underworld, she becomes the crone, and she needs Persephone to go back to being the mother. So mm. she kind of, like, is chasing after this renewal of her role, mm. or sort of a vacillation of her role. I don't know, I just made that up.
2: I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, why not? All she- these are, like, overlapping.
2: Let's go back to who was Korra. Korra was either the daughter of Zeus and Demeter, or... Zeus and the river Styx. There's, There's alternate things there. The river Styx could have been the mother of Korra, who was then taken, right? So moving on to why this was important, in a lot of these tales, in a lot of these tellings of the tales, Persephone isn't given a lot of personality, right? Like you said, a lot of the major players, Hades and Zeus and Demeter, they do things and... Persephone just sits in the background and eats pomegranate seeds. What's happening is the world around them is happening, right? Harvest, winter, spring, harvest, winter, spring.
1: Let's press pause for just three seconds and briefly touch on the definition of rape. I think we're going to go for like 50 rape hits this episode, and that might make someone uncomfortable. Hmm. So are we talking about rape in like strictly a sexual sense? I think that there's multiple meanings on the table here.
2: No, absolutely not. In fact, rape the word is capture. Uh, There's two paintings. The Rape of Europa, and that was by Titian, and who doesn't love Titian? And then the Rape of the Sabine Women, also known as the Abduction of the Sabine Women. The kidnapping. it's, It's a capture phrase, where it's like, literally, when Hades bust up through the ground, he grabbed her, and he took her back. That was the act, right? It was not a sexual act. It was a a kidnapping
1: act. So this, in this sense, it's taken by force. Although if you're taking someone by force to be your wife, that's a little bit on the edge there.
0: And they had kids. They had the Furies. Oh, yeah.
1: Well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like teenagers <laughs> that never end.
0: That's right. It's not the baseball Furies from, uh, what is the movie? <laughs> With all the little gangs. Now I can't remember. San,
2: San Mudlot.
0: <laughs>
2: San...
0: <laughs> what is it? The Warriors! The warriors. Warriors. Warriors come out to play. So, Mm -hmm.
2: remember, back in these days, times was different.
0: Mm -hmm. Cue the banjo.
2: Oh yeah, cue the ancient Greece banjos. There was, most society, most of society was arranged marriages. There were a lot of dowries involved, there were a lot of pre-negotiations, and very few people had a say in what happened. Except those paying the dowries, right? So, Hades asked Zeus, and Zeus gave his permission, right? This was a prearranged marriage. Whether he had bust up from the ground in his chariot, and I want you to know, every time I say bust up, I'm doing the hand fingers. The hand fingers? The, the
0: hand fingers? I'm doing, Those... the, I'm doing the gesture. <laughs> the dig him
2: up hand fingers. Yeah, the dig-em-up hand fingers. Hades bust up through the ground. It could have been, in the story originally, Zeus was like, all right, listen, daughter, you's married now. Go downstairs, right? In the marriage cultures of ancient Greece, part of the ceremony was uh, flowers. It was a very floral thing. You put flowers in your hair, you put flowers in your dress, you wear a dress made of purple stuff, because purple is a fancy color. And when Persephone, or I'm sorry, when Kore was out in the fields of Eleus- Eleusis, she was gathering flowers, right? If you look at this from a perspective that's not quite this one, Zeus was like, hey, listen, go gather flowers for your marriage. You're about to be married. And so she did. And it wasn't really a capture or a steal. It was it was pre-negotiated. Zeus said, okay. Hades asked, hey, can I marry your daughter? And he was like, yeah.
1: But no one told Demeter.
2: Right. It's not that Cora was upset. She did what she was told. No one told Demeter, and she's the one that got angry.
0: So, is there any significance to the fact that she was... Uh, several of the stories say that she was distracted by a narcissus.
2: I don't... Uh, I mean, I missed that story, because Narcissus was the one that looked in the pool, and he was like, damn, I'm pretty. No, what yeah. happened? There oh, narcissi- did she...
0: She was looking... She was picking flowers, and she, like, was distracted by a particularly beautiful Narcissus, the flower.
1: I bet that's retconned.
0: You think so? Like,
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I bet they, they... Oh, well, once we have the name Narcissus, meaning a flower, and the ultimate pretty boy, we should just insert that in there as like fan service for, for the Hesiod fans. Okay.
2: Interesting. Yeah. She's out picking flowers. A lot of them are named. Most of the flowers named are purple because wedding gowns were purple, except for the Narcissus. Hmm hmm this this may have been name dropping mm. i don't i don't like, know
0: like i was wondering if that was a moment of weakness on her part somehow no that's,
2: she had no say in it like even if she true. had been she the doesn't. strongest person ever mm-hmm. and she got distracted like there she can't have had a moment of weakness she was a non-player in this
0: right and if she hadn't been distracted the same thing would have been yeah. would have happened can i tell you what this scene reminds me of the scene in the original Frankenstein when he finds the little girl picking flowers and, she's and
2: throwing petals <laughs> into the lake. Yeah, I love that scene. It it like I resonate with that scene so much. He's like, okay, this is how you have fun. You find something beautiful and you destroy it. I've learned yeah, and if- now. I understand as a human to have fun. Hi, little girl. Sploosh. <laughs> So the the questions were, did Persephone go willingly? It doesn't matter, right? The answer is yes, of course she went willingly because this was an arranged marriage.
0: And here's a spin that I also found. Several stories claim that he was, Hades was a legitimate suitor to Persephone, but Demeter did not approve of him given that he was the god of the underworld, like that was beneath her daughter. She felt, and so that's again a reason why he abducted her, which implies. And again, this is these are later versions, I believe, but mm. there's another spin on that. I
2: I kind of want to argue against that one because Hades, Hades was it wasn't Jupiter. It was he was cognate with who? Uh, Pluto. Pluto. Right. Yes. Okay. So in Mesopotamia. In Mesopotamia, where the world was basically swamp, it was, you know, Middle Eastern clay swamp, the underworld was just muck. In ancient Greece, when you have ancient Greece, there's lots of mountains and geology and things. The underworld had things like gold and copper and...
1: Yeah, Pluto is the banker. Yeah, Pluto is the banker. like Prince of Greed later on.
2: The underworld was a very rich place. You know, things that had value... Lived Minx. in the underworld. Minx, right. So I, I kind of want to argue on that one, where do you not want your daughter to be abducted by the man who lives in the gold mines?
1: I don't know. We're a little bit falling into a very common trap here, which is arguing there's one true myth, and I think that's an insane statement, because there's a lot of stories, and some of them are maybe it's an arranged marriage. The narrative that she was taken by force from a chariot that was driving down on her is pretty strong. I mean, that's a portrayal that happens a lot. And I don't think it's fair to say there's one story. But casting it with this arranged marriage is is useful, is a different way of looking at it than like what's in my third grade education head.
0: So if we think about, okay, the idea that Hades is not, or some of the stories mention that, or posit that Hades, Demeter didn't think that Hades was appropriate. Is that also a shift in thinking about Hades himself because initially he's a god like alongside other gods. There's nothing wrong with him. Mm. Um he's hot on this like second third grade worksheet. Um but there is this shift to him being considered like underworld becoming more, you know, a place of death and evil and Hades himself being represented potentially as more of a devil figure. Like in the Silly Symphony cartoon of uh, the Goddess of Spring, where Hades is our little party city devil. So in in one of the stories, he's described as an old, rough looking um, man that is very unappealing.
1: We know by like 400, he was starting to be associated with the Christian devil fairly strongly. Mm -hmm. And I think that was during the period that classical Reese existed.
0: So, yeah, so I think maybe that's why there's that story of him being an, an inappropriate suitor.
1: Yeah, maybe the villainy role grew over time. Mm-hmm. So I was reading Wikipedia in preparation for today's episode, mm-hmm. and I noticed an interesting line that I misread entirely. Mm-hmm. It said Persephone was identified by the Romans as the Italic goddess Liberia. Huh,
0: and that I, is I saw n- that too.
1: Yeah, that is not the goddess of italics, which would be awesome.
0: <laughs> I know, I thought that too. Like, is there a whole pantheon of font-related, yeah, and typeface-related gods and goddesses that we just like Helvetica? Well, yeah, and because like Garamond? the
1: ancient, it's like two pantheons: the serifs and the sans serifs have been fighting for years.
0: Uh huh.
2: The serif. So it's comic, the serif court it's, and the unserif court.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it, this is another side project. So like. You know, a, associating different fonts with their gods. You know, we could do you know, like the the, the typical Roman, Greek, Norse.
2: Oh my gosh! So Helvetica. Who is
0: Comic Sans?
2: Helvetica would be Epona.
0: Mm. I think Comic Sans is, is Loki.
2: Oh, but people like Loki.
0: Good point. So maybe
1: he is trending right now.
0: What maybe like that? Those rope letters. Like everybody likes the the lasso <laughs> letters. So. Mm. Uh, oh, speaking of Norse, do you know what the Norse and again, this may be apocryphal, but do you know what the Norse name for Persephone is? No. Wait. It's pretty obvious. If you think about it, if you think about spring and rebirth. Easter? Yes. But with some diacritical stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe, maybe. Oh.
0: But it's not clear if that if she was actually a thing, but in the nineteenth century, that figure became very popular in German culture and in German artistic uh, creations.
1: So this is kind of a logical uh, tie-in to kind of what happens next with Persephone's mythology, which she becomes this major figure in the Eleusinian Mysteries, mm. which is a kind of long-running cult based on sacred rebirth and really kind of tying into the idea of immortality or people becoming as the gods long-term. She kind of maintains a hold on mythology a little longer than a lot of the other Greek pantheon does because of that. Interestingly, in that kind of web of mythology, uh, they made Demeter into a poppy goddess. Some analysis of some of the drinking vessels from that period, those rituals uh, have traces of ergot in them. <gasps> so there Whoa. might have been some psychotropics involved yeah. in this ancient illusion mystery story.
0: Oh, yeah, I did read something about psychedelics being involved. Yeah. For me,
1: this ties into uh, the Wicked and the Divine comic again, which I adore, because Persephone is the major character in that comic series. Mm-hmm. She's used in a ritual of rebirth every hundred years or so. So I, I really like that series. And she's a very everyman character, but is really quite powerful. She's called like the Destroyer in that as well. They like their mythology in that series. Mm.
2: The flayer of corn, (laughs) and that like there's a lot of that in Persephone because not just death, but you see death as harvest, right? If we go from spring to blight, or spring blight, summer, etc. Yeah, she is a reaper, and what do reapers do? They flay corn. They
1: reap.
0: Oh, Oh, poor corn.
1: One of the reasons Persephone turned up in our research on the ladies of hell is because she's one of the named demons in a few grimoires, specifically the sacred book of Abramelin the Mage. That's a 1608 tome, sort of a grimoire novel, the story of a merchant who receives a bunch of mystical wisdom from an Egyptian figure named Abramelin the Mage. That's kind of redundant. I guess it's in the title. There's tons of Kabbalah and numerological things, and it's all ordering spirits around and such like that, and invoking them in the correct orders to use the correct spells, the correct counterspell demons, etc., etc., etc. All the grimoires read like this. But Corey makes an appearance there. She's unique in a sense because no other demon, really in any grimoire, has a husband-wife style shared partnership over their domain. Mm. That is super duper unusual. It kind of shows the legacy of the Pluto Persephone pair and the Erskogal Nurgle myth as well, um, the idea of this sort of dark divine marriage. She's not married to Pluto. Pluto gets listed on another page. Uh, her husband is named Magoth. That name may be related to the word, you know, mage, magus, that sort of thing, but it also is kind of tied to the word Magot, which is a sort of rumble stiltskin style fairy, squat and quick to anger. Magoth, because all these demonologies they give you a list of things you can invoke certain people for. Magoth's good for bringing books, banquets, and he can make comedies and operas and dances appear, he can change your appearance with illusion. I like the idea of someone who can summon musical theater. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot on Kore again, except that she and Magoth have control over 65 major demons and they're kind of number 3 in this hellish hierarchy. But she's there. She makes an appearance, and in this way sort of survives into the current century as a magical figure. Later on, she's picked up in De Plancy's Dictionary Infernal. That's a, kind of one of the big standard ones. And Bravigior mentions her in his epically boring mystical biography of himself and his many demon-related problems.
2: When was this Grimoire <laughs> written? Super,
1: super dull. Um, well, A and the Mage was written in maybe the 1600s. Okay. The Dictionary Infernal is mid-1800s. Hmm. It's kind of like a general summary of occult and demonology uh, in France early that century. It's got some of the best illustrations anywhere.
2: And he just decided that this Greek goddess was suddenly a demon.
1: Um, She was a figure in hell. When the writer of the Book of a Rebel and the Mage was creating his universe, he used her and Magoth as a divine pair mm. in their hierarchy. It's together they represent like one demonic prince sort of structure. Uh, De Plancy says, uh, Proserpine, the wife of Pluto, according to the pagans, and queen of the Infernal Empire. According to the immunologists, Proserpine is an archdiabless, archdiabless? Oh. Arch, archdiabless, and sovereign princess of evil spirits. Her name comes from Proserpere to and Interpreters see in her the fateful serpent. So kind of tying her to the uh, Garden of Eden snake, I suppose.
2: Oh, interesting. This is one of those things where you're like, there is no one myth. Yeah, yeah. Because this is not the same myth.
1: It is not. It's evolved over many centuries. And um, this is like French reinterpretation. There's also kind of a Lilith tie in there because, again, we've got this female underworld goddess with strong ties to the serpent. Mm. And that actually is a part of her name. Mm. And possibly her mythology as well.
0: Hmm.
2: Interesting
0: interesting
2: so this I, never, I had no idea this random french dude aimed to change mythology now wait hang on Ber-
1: berbiguer is a crazy man who uh, probably had some sort of complicated schizophrenia that involved like every major named demon and a lot of others he created a whole flotilla of demons to populate his internal mindscape and among a great many other resources, De Plancy used his ideas in his 1860 version of his dictionary.
0: Hmm. I just want to make a suggestion that we start a band called Flotilla of Demons.
1: I'll buy that.
2: Yeah. Or so actually that of...
0: could be the album name, the first yeah, album. No,
2: it's, it can be Cor okay. and the Persephone's The Flotilla of Demons. Yes. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't know what he was aiming oh. to do, but he mythed.
0: Oh,
2: sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know if I really want to trust an 1860s crazy French dude to completely add on to ancient Grecian myth. Like, that's that's weird, man. That's weird.
0: How is that different from the King James Bible? (laughs) I mean... Fair. (laughs) Oh, she speaks true words. (laughs)
1: Interesting kind of modern interpretation of uh, Persephone, more, more specifically Proserpina, not that there's any meaningful difference there, is kind of as the queen of the dead who is not dead and as someone who journeys between worlds, she's kind of become like a patron of necromancers. That's kind of fun. Really? In a small way. Like that her mythology kind of lends itself to that mindset. Huh. Uh, that was That was from occultworld.com and I can't find it anywhere else, but I can see the idea.
0: So here's a question. How popular is necromancy today? Are there people who actually, I'm okay. I already know the answer to this. There are people who probably think that they're trying to perform necromancy.
1: Um, I mean, I feel like the world of demons and ceremonial magic involving them is one mid-sized thread in the massive, we'll use the word symphony of occult threads and ideas. There's a lot of people that use them like familiar spirits, and I think that the Book of Abramel and the Mage feeds very heavily into the Golden Dawn and Crowley's uh, mm-hmm. Thelemma School of Magic. so it's not a minor thing it It's a part of a magical legacy that's that's as strong as you know any other hermetic hermetic branch
0: okay, and just an aside, I was rebuked strongly in a Wiccan store in Galveston. For saying Crowley, it's supposed to be Crowley, according to this very officious witch. Wait. In Galveston.
2: What did Aussie sing? Crowley. Mystic Crowley. And the guy, th- this guy
0: was furious at he he blamed Aussie for everybody in his store mispronouncing. Crowley.
2: Well, I mean, Ozzy is to blame for just about everything wrong with the world today. You know. That's
0: true. Mm -hmm. Horns,
2: horns, horns, horns. But...
0: Oh, no, that's Ronnie James Dio. Oh, oh, you're right. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mr.
1: Um,
2: Crowley. Okay. (laughs) See, it doesn't sound so So there
1: is a poem written by Mm -hmm. Alistair Crowley. One stanza. There met one evening in a sylvan glade a horrible man and a beautiful maid. Where are you going so meek and holy? I'm going to temple to worship Crowley.
0: Oh. There you so have
1: it. Mm-hmm. I, one, I evidence, or at least that bit of evidence suggests that a, a softer O is the way to go.
0: Poetic evidence.
1: So, I guess it partially depends on how you define necromancy as well, because necromancy in the modern interpretation is talking to the dead, but going back a few hundred years, it's any sort of dark spirit. So, Eh. Yeah.
0: I'm sure somebody's doing some everything, like everybody, everything is happening.
1: Yeah. I mean, this time. is not a, this is not a question on the national census.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Have you, how often do you perform necromancy? Yeah. Is it?
1: Yeah, and if so, and if so, what do you mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I've, and how many of these demons are currently living in your household?
1: Two questions.
2: Is it not necromancer? Is it necromancer necromancy? Did I learn that wrong?
0: I've always understood as necromancy, but again, who knows?
2: And I could be wrong. And two, have you I was wrong about? Have that. you been to my Etsy store? Jamin does necromancy, where I <laughs> sell fine votive candles and vegan yarn <laughs> for your.
0: Okay. All vegan necromancy tools. Yeah.
1: The second mm-hmm. syllable of necromancy should be a schwa. Oh. Necrom-
0: necromancy. necromancy.
2: Well, now that you've de-stressed the situation, (laughs) (laughs) there was one final part of this in which, again, we talked about this before, infant mortality and just mortality, human mortality as a whole, people died. And so there is a tradition if a young lady dies before she's married and she's already been betrothed, Uh they would still go through the ceremony.
1: Oh, this is a very liminal space. This is interesting. Right?
2: Where they would dr-
1: Two major transitions at once. She would
2: be ritually bathed, dressed, put in purple, have the flowers. There would be a ceremony, not a wedding ceremony, but there'd be a ceremony, and she would be the mm-hmm. bride of Hades.
1: Oh, wait, it got dark there all of a sudden. Right? really
2: <laughs> did. Well, I mean, okay, so again, it was a terrible time. People died all the time. It's 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 what they did for fun. <laughs> But if if you died before you were married, you still went through this process and it was a kind of a, what's the word where it's like, I'm part of this world, so I'm going to be part of this world, right? Spring happens, fall happens, death happens, marriage happens. If So life has a purpose, right? And so if you can't fulfill this purpose before you've done it if you die you still get to ritually fulfill the purpose of death which it's kind of a a closure thing for everybody involved right it's not just i'm burying my daughter i am burying my daughter who has come to fruition and fulfilled her life
1: yeah there's so much ambiguity in in like that story that is like right on the edge of being a bright bright new chapter and then becomes a sad new chapter Mm. that's a really beautiful idea i like that a lot I mean, it may not be for everybody, but it's a powerful ritual idea. Yeah, mm.
2: And a lot of this with the, the Eleusinian Mysteries, where these, these occult activities, which were done by people, and we don't know what they did because it was a mystery, the bastards.
1: Did predate Instagram by about 700 years. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but one of the suppositions is, is it removed the fear of death? Death is not something we should be afraid of. Because even if death happens, we can still find fulfillment.
1: Well, thank you for joining us. At...
0: <laughs> <laughs> good play, good way to end. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Hey, can I have some more pomegranate vodka?
0: Sure. I made you a bed in my closet. Yay.
2: <laughs>
1: Thank you for joining us this week. We sure do appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider going to your pod chaser of choice. iTunes is a good one, and leave us a recommendation or review, uh, and uh, you know like us on your favorite pod chaser. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you in hell. podcast is copyright 2021 by The Dispatchist and its creative commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at The Dispatchist, no spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for more episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources.
0: Ice cream wait I thought I I thought I bought some ice cream. I know I bought ice cream. Where did I put it? Wait a second. Where are the fish sticks? I know I bought fish sticks.